Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. Zimmerman coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. I've also opened up the chat room on the show page, so you can also uh, leave questions, comments, etc. there on uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Come to the show page, and you'll see the chat room at the bottom. And if you wind up listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberaldan.com, on facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. At the bottom half of the hour, I'm very excited to bring on a very special guest. Um, she is from Maryland, uh, my home state. Uh, and sort of, I guess, I guess technically I was born in Wilmington, Delaware, but I moved after a month, but uh, we'll be discussing uh, on whether or not you need to be educated on transgender individuals, uh, issues pertaining to trans folk. And um, I found her to be a um, very good resource uh, very for her own website, which you can find a link on the uh, show page as well. Um, and also she moderates a forum uh, or a group on Facebook of a similar name. Sounds like you need to be educated on transgender individuals, but okay. Uh, But first, uh, that's going to be at the bottom half of the hour. There's lots of other stuff I wanted to get to as well, and I knew we'd have a lot of stuff to discuss. Uh, First first and foremost being uh, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, whatever the name of the day is of the virus. Uh, There has been a lot of goings-on, a lot of closings here in New Orleans and the New Orleans metropolitan area. It was very interesting. I have yet to see whether or not the lieutenant governor, uh, Billy Nungesser, has criticized Jefferson Parish. Uh, This weekend, there is, you know, New Orleans has Mardi Gras and Mardi Gras parades, and we are known for that. What we are also, as people might not know, is we have parades with floats other times of the year as well, including uh, St. Patrick's day-themed parades, Irish-Italian parade, uh, lots of other parades that go on in the New Orleans area, in New Orleans itself, and in the metropolitan area, Metairie, Jefferson Parish, you're going to know from here, 
We use parishes and not counties. And uh, New Orleans canceled a whole bunch of stuff this weekend. And the lieutenant governor had a fit, said, oh, we shouldn't have done that. It was too soon, blah, 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 blah. I'm wondering if he now is saying it's too soon now. Now, the Jefferson Parish, the more conservative of the two parishes, uh, has also moved and said, you know, we're also going to be canceling our big parades. Uh, there was a big event that was planned that was a fundraiser for the uh, um, UNCF, uh, the college fund, and that had not been canceled by the mayor yet uh, earlier today. And there were some people going on, oh, you're having your mayor's ball, and why can't you have that? Well, it's what it's called the mayor's ball, but it's not thrown by the mayor. It's thrown by the uh, college fund itself. They just happen to label it the mayor's ball. And it's, I think from the last time I saw, I think that is also canceled as well. So there's lots of cancellations. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you're being uh, paranoid. We're taking it way too seriously. And it's not that bad. Well, part of that is unfortunately the fault of this president. <clears throat> we have a lack of leadership. And according to the World Health Organization, we are not reacting as quickly as we should be as it pertains to uh, coronavirus and you know how we should be handling it the mobilization of resources i think i saw some statistic where if you could take our military budget only one percent of that budget is uh, spent on either it's either one percent of the military budget is spent on uh, cdc or the cdc budget is equal to like one or one and a half percent of the military budget either way i think we could buy a couple of less airplanes and uh, jet airplanes, a couple less tanks that the military doesn't want in and of itself, and instead do things like, you know, fund the CDC, which is a very important thing to do, especially now that we see how this outbreak is going, how this they, the World Health Organization has called it a pandemic. And what's what's interesting here is, <clears throat> you know, it's it's all about Donald Trump is only looking at the, the money aspect. Oh, we need to give tax cuts for payroll tax cuts so that people can, you know, keep their people employed, uh, whatever. I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think we need to make sure that people have maybe access to unemployment funds if they're no longer going to go to work. Uh, maybe that you, you funnel it from the bottom up, not from the top down. Of course, of course, a Republican is going to believe in a supply-side type of economics. Of course, a Republican is going to believe that trickle-down economics works. It doesn't. Um, and, of course, uh, who, who is going to be determined whether or not a state of emergency is going to be called? Is it going to be uh, the Surgeon General? Is it going to be a doc, someone with a, a doctorate, a, a medical degree, somebody who is uh, knowledgeable in pandemics and uh, the inf and uh, all that other important information. No, it's going to be Jared Kushner who is going to be determining whether or not we have uh, we have a um, state of emergency or not, which is in and of itself ridiculous. And you know, another thing is if you look at what Donald Trump is trying to protect when it comes to money spent to try and I guess stimulate. Uh, or, or maintain whatever economic, whatever is going on in this country, even though, you know, we're people are losing stock value left and right. He's trying to make sure that, you know, big things stay afloat, you know, things that companies that should have 
you know, maybe some slush funds or some, some money to fall back on it just in case uh, they, they had a real rough patch. But no, he wants to help the hotel industry. Who owns a lot of hotels but Donald Trump? Again, Donald Trump, while he might be claiming he's not benefiting or profiting from his administration, from his being president because he's not taking a salary, he is spending all his time at these resorts. And I'm sure uh, the federal government's employees federal government agencies that are staying at his resorts, having to pay money to his resorts. So he's making money hand over fist with these uh, expenditures. And now he's trying to make sure that his hotels don't lose money because of this pandemic. And he's going to use uh, our dollars, our tax dollars to do so. And instead of protecting the American citizens who are most vulnerable, he's protecting himself. And that's a shame. Uh, but there, there's studies, you know, I shared a link on my personal Facebook page, and I hope you've seen this going around. Maybe I'll share it to Liberal Dan page as well if I can refine it. But there is going where if you react within a day, like a day er- earlier to um, a, an outbreak like this, you can reduce the amount of disease that spread by... 40% or so. So if, if, if it would have been 100,000 people getting the virus, if you acted a day early, you get 40% less. And that's the importance of, of taking this seriously. Because guess what? You have a situation where there are people who are immunocompromised. There are people who have other issues that are sick that can't afford to get an illness such as this. They can't handle this sort of thing. And as such, um, you need to make sure that they stay as healthy as possible. So places like Ohio who have, who has an election, maybe next, we'll, we'll get to that after the first break, Ohio has an election coming up. Uh, for the primaries, and they're moving polling locations. And normally, people would be freaking out. Oh, here they go. They're trying to move polling locations, and this is going to just disenfranchise people. But no, the polling locations are in, like, nursing homes and hospitals and stuff like that, where normally you might be okay with people coming in and out and giving the people who are at these hospitals and nursing homes access to the ballot that, that they might not already have. But by making them polling stations with, during a pandemic, as the World Health Organization has called it, you wind up putting these people more at risk. And so if you can reduce the amount of that this spreads, I mean, because there, I'm sure there are a lot of people look at it. Like look at the coronavirus, like the Trump presidency. Uh, I'm sure there are a bunch of people out there that could probably stand another four years of Trump. I'm sure I would survive another four years of Trump, but there are other people that can't, there are other people that are more vulnerable who would suffer and potentially even die another four years of Trump. Well, I'm sure it's highly possible that if I caught the coronavirus that I would survive and that I would continue on, but I still don't want to get it because that gives the virus another vector of transmission uh, to other people who might be immunocompromised, who might have problems uh, dealing with the virus. So the less people that get the virus, the better. So you, you keep people away from Big events. The uh, March Madness is going on. I told my wife last night, I had looked at her and I said, March Madness is going to suck. 
you are it is going to be ruined there you're i wonder if it's even going to go on and then today they went ahead and said no well we're going to have it we're just not going to have it in front of anybody so it'll be two teams playing in empty courts and and that's fine but i tweeted out about this and and maybe i'd like to get your opinion about it as well which is simply that when you have march madness you don't just have everybody that goes to these large arenas to watch these tournaments you have people that go to bars, any any big sporting event people go to bars people go to other venues like uh, your dave and busters your uh, other types of places that might have uh big screen tvs where you would watch with a bunch of people now are those places going to still be throwing putting on their events I'm sure those restaurants and bars and other similar type places are going to be, we're looking forward to having large groups of people coming in. I think I just saw on TV, I forget, it might've been Applebee's. I don't know, but Applebee's has lots of TVs. They have 25 cents uh, boneless chicken wings or something like that. Well, if you have 25 cents boneless chicken wings, you're probably trying to bring people in. You're probably trying to bring people in specifically for March Madness to get them in there. They're going to be drinking all those wings. They're probably eating all of those wings. They'll probably be drinking as well and bringing in a whole bunch of money uh, to your restaurant. But if they're bringing in a whole bunch of sickness as well, again, that's another way that individuals could get sick. And that's another thing that maybe has to be kept in mind. Maybe restaurants need to be a little bit more responsible at this. Maybe say, you know what? We're not going to do these big things. And, and well, I'm not saying restaurants necessarily have to close down. I, I, I would have to perhaps seed that point or allow that point to be made by somebody who is a, a better expert than me on the transmission of virus viruses. But when it comes to like <clears throat> those type of things and having even more people than normal, having large crowds where, where the staff is going to have a much more difficult time keeping it clean, where you, you, you're, you're going to be have two people in tight spaces watching the television, start coughing. You don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how, how things like that get handled and what steps governments take uh, to, to curtail some of these things. I believe in Washington state, uh, the governor said, look, we don't want to have any, any, any gathering of anybody more than 250 people. And 250 people is still a lot of people, but they don't want to have anything over 250 people. I think that San Francisco uh, has prohibited something similar so that the Golden State Warriors game is going to be the first game played without any fans. And I was like, well, you have you weren't at, a, at the Hornets game towards the end uh, before Anthony Davis got here. That You didn't see many fans there either. But a lot of other places, a lot of other cities. You have, you have New Rochelle and New York quarantined, uh, being protected by the National Guard. Lots of things that are going on. Meanwhile, uh, I got an ad for this on my, my Facebook page. I don't know why I got an ad for this on my Facebook page, but Visions Men's Club, which is a strip club in New Orleans East, the uh, eastern part of New Orleans, of Orleans Parish, um, which is, I'm, I don't recommend the place simply because when I did Uber and Lyft driving, uh, the people that were turned away more often for having for violating the quote dress code uh, were black patrons or wannabe black patrons because they had to go. So basically when I was dropping off a group of white people, I would drop them off and leave and not worry about it. When I was dropping off a group of black people, on the other hand, guess what? They were turned away. If one person had a solid black or solid colored t-shirt, uh, 
So they're horrible people. Um, so I wouldn't go to do business there anyway, if I, even if I wanted to go to the strip club. But you get free all-you-can-eat hot crawfish beginning at 5 p.m. And the lovely ladies at Vision Event Club with $10 buckets. I'm assuming, I think $10 buckets means $10 buckets of beer. Uh, however, I don't know if I want to, you want to celebrate the pandemic uh, by going to get a bunch of free crawfish at a strip club. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be the most uh, clean, sanitary place to, to devour some some of that delicious crawfish. I'd love to have me a crawfish boil, but I don't think I'm going to be going to Visions Meds Club to having it. Let's go ahead and take my first commercial break and come back, uh, take your calls as well. I'll be discussing uh, the election for a little bit. Uh, again, the phone number is 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Alright, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues, with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts 
you'll ever hear and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tunes. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. If you're listening live, you can also come into the chat room on the Blog Talk Radio page at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Click on the show page. It's the episode page, I should say, and you'll see the chat thread down there. You can leave comments, questions if you don't want to call in. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., either on the show thread at liberaldan.com, uh, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Uh, about eight or so minutes, we'll be bringing on our special guest that I was discussing earlier, but I would be remiss today if we did not talk about the presidential primaries, the Democratic primaries. Of course, the Republican primary is a joke. Uh, Donald Trump is clapping himself on the back and or patting himself on the back, I should say, and celebrating winning the race that only he participated in. Um, I guess some were there, but the Republican Party, again, in several states have canceled the primaries altogether so that nobody can challenge uh, Donald in the primaries, which is highly undemocratic. Of course, what do you expect from the Republican Party, the party that stays in office by gerrymandering and uh, keeping down the black vote, uh, especially in states like Georgia, where we should have had a Stacey Abrams be governor, except for the fact that many, many, many black voters were purged uh, for no reason, no good reason, I should say. The bad reasons, obviously, because the person who was the secretary of state wanted to become governor, so he made sure that it was it was skewed or rigged in on his behalf. But we have this uh, Democratic primary going on, and you know, Super Tuesday was obviously huge for Joe Biden, and I discussed what Super Tuesday meant last week. But, you know, after Super Tuesday, I was not going to say that anybody in the top two, at least, was out of it. Uh, however, clearly, uh, it has become, as the primaries go on, as the Democratic primary goes on, because we don't have any winner-take-all states, uh, you have the situation where, the bigger your lead gets, the harder it is for anybody else to come back from that lead, even if you're on a one-on-one race. So even if, let's say, Bernie Sanders won Washington State, Washington State is super close. I remember looking at one time last night, and each of them had over 300,000, maybe close to 350,000 votes. Uh, I don't remember how many of the votes were counted at that point, but each of them had over 300,000 votes, and they were within 60 votes of each other. Uh, It it may very well look like Bernie might pull it off. Who knows? But everyone thought Bernie Sanders was coming into the night in Texas winning, and Texas wound up going towards Biden. So, But even if Bernie wins Washington along with North Dakota, I mean, Biden still is extending his lead. And as I said last week, Uh, As the votes are coming in, and they'll be coming in for a while with California, as the votes are coming in, I predicted that Bernie Bernie Sanders' percentage lead would be shrinking because a lot of the votes that came in by mail 
were mailed on Election Day because California allows you, as long as it's postmarked by Election Day you, and received by the Friday, you can put in your vote. Because a lot of people had dropped out by then, more people could simply cast their ballots for uh, Joe Biden uh, on that day when they might have voted for somebody else on that day. If I was voting in the California primary and I could vote by mail, I would probably wait to the last minute too, especially because of primary issues, um, you know, and people dropping out as they tend to do. So at this point, I'm left wondering, you know, what is Bernie Sanders' play? I mean, Bernie Sanders uh, obviously wants to get; he believes in certain positions, you know. And I think I think Joe Biden would be well served if he were to say something like the following, instead of how he worded it when he was on the news the other day, if he would have worded it as such and said, look, if you elect a Democratic Senate and a House that is progressive enough to pass Medicare for all and it's funded responsibly, I'll sign it. Just say that. There's no harm in saying that because the majority of the people that voted in the Democratic primaries yesterday want Medicare for all, even though a majority of the people also voted for Biden. Uh, so there's nothing there's no harm in saying that. And if if Joe Biden doesn't believe that that situation is going to happen, that you're going to have a progressive enough House and Senate to pass that legislation, then it, there's there's no risk to him doing that. You know, and it doesn't even, it, it just allow, allows you to be, you know, not maybe, I don't know if it's wishy-washy on it, but it allows you to basically say, look, you get this on my desk and I'll sign it. Say, look, if, if that's what the people want to have happen, I'll have it happen. I would love to, I mean, because I'm a supporter of Medicare for all. I, I'm, and I don't think I'm going to get a vote in the primary. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the type of person last time in 2016, I was fine with Bernie. I was fine with Hillary. You know, I didn't take a side in that one. Um, my, my issue with Bernie this time is simply he made the same mistake in 20, this year, 2020, uh, that he did in 2016 by not going after the delegates in the nine southern states that he ignored. And I have yet to see any excuses given by the campaign as to why. Of course, I've asked the campaign, on, at least on Twitter, several times, look, what, what's the deal? Why didn't you go after these states? Uh, because I have a friend of mine. Nimbus Yosh, the host of the most, my little brother from the Percy podcast. And if you follow both of us on Twitter, you'll see that we've been going back and forth on this a little bit because he completely disagrees with me. He does not see that Bernie Sanders uh, was uh, made, made, a, made a failure. He sees it as all being a problem of the Democratic Party and the establishment. And there were definitely, 2016, look, I was critical of Donna Brazile. I was critical of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, things that they did in 2016, I disagreed with. I, when Bernie Sanders uh, was talking and Hillary Clinton cut him off and he was like, oh, wait, let me finish. I knew that some people were going to say, oh, Bernie's sexist. And, and I, was, I defended Bernie then too. You know, but again, I wasn't, you know, in a debate, you go back and forth. You argue with each other. It happens. I, I didn't think he was sexist for doing that. Um, you know, and I would have been fine, happy voting for him in the general election had he been able to pull off a victory. But anything that I believe the Democratic Party did in 2016 paled in comparison to the uh, failure of him to go down 
and introduce himself to the Southern states, let him know that the progressives that are down, because there are progressive people in these Democratic primaries who want to, who would support policies if only they knew and trusted you. But like in Mississippi yesterday, Sanders did not even get the 15% threshold to get any statewide delegates. I was averaging in my calculations from last week that Bernie was Bernie was giving up two to one delegates to Joe Biden. It was 15 and a half to one. Biden got 31 delegates from Mississippi. Bernie only got two. You know, you can't do that. You cannot give up nine states worth of delegates and hope to win an election where it's not winner take all. Now, if it was winner take all and he could go down and have a dynamic showing, a great showing in Florida a uh, great showing in New York City. If he if he could if winning gave him everything, then yeah, maybe he would have a chance to come back. You know, if him if he pulled off a, a slight victory in Washington, you know, by you know just sixty, a hundred, whatever the two thousand, whatever the difference is going to be, and got all of the Washington votes, then then yeah, that that might be something. If if he was able to, but he lost. I think he won Missouri last year. He squeaked by Missouri. He lost huge in Missouri as well. He swept most of the counties in Michigan last year. And people poo-poo this that I've talked to, but a lot of the reasons there's there's sexism afoot. I think this. I think a lot of the same people who voted who went Bernie to Trump in 2016 from the primary to the general election may have just gone Bernie to Biden in this, from last primary to this primary. And I think there's some of it, just there's the, there's the name of Hillary Clinton and people just don't like the Clintons. It's ridiculous. You know, she's been accused of things for 20 years and nothing has ever stuck. She sat in the middle of a hearing for, was it 11 hours or 13 hours? And she took all of their questions and handled it like a champ. And there was not, there was absolutely you know, nothing has stuck to her uh, because there's, you, you can't, she didn't do anything wrong. Oh, but her emails, but there's still that name of Clinton just makes some people just go crazy. And there's the fact that she's a woman and there are people in this country who are just not going to be comfortable, unfortunately, with having a woman president. Um, I'm not one of those people. Obviously I would have been very happy to have seen president Hillary I would have been very happy to have seen President Warren. Um, you know, every test that I took about the po- political issues uh, this election season always ended up with me signing with having Warren be the candidate I agree with most. But um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, I think we have sexism uh, that, that has come into play on the liberal side, um, which I think is showing, explaining why you're seeing Biden winning these states that everyone expected uh, Bernie to, to be a little more competitive in. And because of that, and because that's just the lead is growing and I expect next Tuesday, the lead's going to grow as well. And at what point do you call it an insurmountable lead? I, I think, I think that this debate is too late, but why not? Why not give it one more debate? I'm not necessarily calling for him to drop out at this point, 
but I don't see the path for it either. And maybe he needs he needs a little bit of time to negotiate an exit to where to make sure that the policies that he supports are good and are taken care of and are going to be part of the party platform going forward. Good. And if he's able to do that, great. I would love to see that happen. But I, I don't see how he has a path. Anyway, I'm going to be go ahead and taking another commercial break. Uh, at the end of this block, we should be hearing from EV winners and discussing uh, whether or not you need to be educated on transgender individuals. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, all right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show, mmm, yeah. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tunes.
And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. Again, you can join the conversation. It's 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. Although I think uh, for this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this segment um, or the rest of the show, I may prefer uh, questions be asked in the chat room. That way I can kind of go through them as well. If you particularly had anyone, maybe kind of weed through anyone that maybe are objectionable. You never know who might call in. I don't have any control over that. Uh, so you can go to the chat room thread. Uh, I'm just on the, the, the episode page on blogtalkradio.com slash liberal Dan. Uh, and you can scroll to the bottom of the page and you should be able to see uh, the chat room and you should be able to type in your questions, comments, et cetera, over there. And, and as we uh, discuss the issues, you can go ahead and put them there. And again, if you're listening after a live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns. It's on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. So now without further ado, I would like to invite on uh, my very special guest, uh, Evie Winters, uh, a writer and activist who graduated cum laude from Davis and Elkins in 2013 with degrees in English, history, and political science, uh, works full-time in web and app development, and advocates for LGBTQ plus rights, the environment, and for everyone to live their best life. She is a Hufflepuff who, lives, who loves Bloody Marys and crisp autumn and winter mornings. And I would like to introduce to the Liberal Dan listening audience, Evie Winters. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I hear you perfectly. Great. Um, All right. Phenomenal. Anything uh, extra you'd like to add to your introduction? Oh, gosh. No, I don't think so. Um, okay. That's pretty, pretty much what's on my website, so... Yeah, I read it verbatim from the website, so there you go. Um, and, and I do have the link to uh, evwinners.com uh, is on the uh, show thread, and I also think it's on the thread at liberaldan.com as well. There's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, great resources on that page. And the, the main reason that you know I, I asked for Evie to come on the show uh, is that in that group that we're in, that sounds like you need to be educated on transgender individuals, uh, is... What a name. Yeah, I know. Oh, I forgot the but okay. No, it's, it's great because, I mean, I think I found it because somebody used it as a tagging group. And I was like, that sounds like something mm-hmm. I need to click on. Uh, because, you know, me, I mean, I'm chock full of privilege. I got, you know, cis, cis male, heterosexual, white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm always wanting to learn how to be a better advocate for others who are less privileged than myself. And, and this group has been just, uh, just a bunch of great information um, and there's this one link that you shared, the gardening for allies, which I guess is a piece that you've been working on for a little bit. I mean, tell us a little bit about like the thought process you went into in, in writing that post. Oh my gosh. Okay. So with that one, um, um, that one had to incubate for a little while because I, people were always asking me like in my personal life or online, like, what is something I can do? How do I be a better ally? Um, how can I be helpful to you, right? And I've never really known what a good thing to say to them was because there's sort of this, um, I think people have this idea that to be a good ally means that they're going to go out and, like, fight the good fight. Do you know what I mean? And um, most of the time that's not the work uh, that needs done. Um, A lot of the times it's helping make sure that people have safe places to be or that they can get to their doctor's appointments 
or that they just have a place to wash their clothes. Um, you know, the real problems in the transgender community are access in many cases, like people are homeless. Um, housing is not guaranteed in the same way for me that it is for you. Um, right. Work is not guaranteed for the same way, you know, in the same way that it is for me that it is for you. Um, in the state I work in, I could be fired, no questions asked, for being a trans person. Um, and I would have no recourse. So there's a lot of just making sure that trans people have access in this like ground level work that doesn't involve getting out and arguing with people or being hostile or um, trolling people in the comment sections or any of that. Right. Like, right. um, you know, like none of that's really necessary. Not everybody's a fighter Um, and there's a role in advocacy for everybody. So I wanted to talk about that, about like the different roles that a person could play to genuinely be an advocate. Right, because a lot of people throw in the term ally, um, and, and that's what kind of yeah. you liken the garden gardener to. Uh, the one, one of the best lines in here is that you can call yourself a gardener, but unless you do the work, you will yield nothing. And that, that, that was the one that I think that got me the most. It's like, yeah, you know, great. Uh-huh. So you, you can pay people lip service, and you can say you support it, but how are you supporting? How are you supporting the people that need your support? Yeah, I mean, the, I'm very I'm, – how do I put this? I'm not critical of people who use that word for themselves. Like if you want to call yourself an ally, wonderful. I'm happy for you. Um, The people who are genuinely allies, the people who are out doing the work, um, you know them by their work. You know them by what they grow. Um, In a lot of cases, it's like, no, I know this cisgender person who is like very good for this one specific resource. And people learn to know that person's name. So right. they don't need to call themselves an ally. You know, that's a thing that they do. And because they do it, everybody knows they're an ally. And they, I never hear those people say it. Right. No, and, and that's great. And if, if anybody's going to read any article on this, on your page, and I, I mean, I need to read more of it because I think it's great. Uh, but, you know, oh, I think this you. is the one to start off with um, just because of the fact that it, it gives a lot of, you know, there are, now, there are some advocates out there who, who will tell just people like, you know, myself, shut up and listen. And that, that's that you should listen and you should be quiet and, and not take up space where you where you shouldn't be taking up space. And, you know, but you also say, you know, ask questions. And, you know, it's, it's that's one of the great things about the group. You can ask questions. Mm-hmm. And and now you might not agree with the answer. And, and, you know, as long as you're, but as long as you're listening to them and actually trying to become better and, and understanding that not everybody owes you as the privileged person, general you speaking uh, the, you know, their emotional time or their labor. um, But there's so many people in a group that somebody's going to give probably will come along and and give them some of the labor and it'll be a good collaborative effort. That's one of the great things about the group is that everybody's just so willing. Like I, I shared, again, what's something I talked to you about privately, and I brought it up in the group. Um, I shared a picture of my cousin uh, when she was a kid, mm-hmm. and she is trans. And I didn't think about it until after the fact. It's like, oh, crap, is, is this going to be problematic? And, mm-hmm. you know, some people, yeah. you know, are very guarding of their, of their former uh, pictures from, from before transitioning, and, and other people, not so much. Yeah. She, she, seemed to not have a problem with it as long as it was like a baby picture. 
And I'm like, okay, well, good. Yeah. But I know from now on, because I'm in that group, ask first. Because it's not something mm-hmm. that I, I think about in my day-to-day life. You know, I'm not worried about that sort of thing because it's not going to cause me any sort of pain, which I think kind of transfers into kind of the first topic that I wanted to discuss, or maybe the second topic I wanted to discuss. Um, it's just the idea mm-hmm. of uh, dysphoria. Uh, and, and what is dysphoria? Okay. Um, oh, gosh. So that's actually um, another article I wrote um, was about dysphoria. That was actually like my first one that got any kind of, I don't know if I'd say audience, but people really seemed to resonate with it. And um, it was a really good piece and it was important for me to write because people yeah. would ask me that question, like, what is dysphoria? There's like the textbook definition of dysphoria, right? Which is like, I am uncomfortable in my gender and that causes me pain. Um, and I don't think that that description does a very good job of helping people to empathize with that pain, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like if you have, if you've broken your arm or something, right? That's a visible thing on you and people empathize with it and they go, oh, that looks like it hurts. Um, in a lot of cases, trans people look very conventionally attractive and they're still suffering immensely in that body. Um, and it's like, how do you describe that to somebody? And so I describe it, um, the metaphor I went with for a long time was like, oh, it's like being stuck in an Iron Maiden. But that turned out not to be very helpful because nobody knows what that's like. Um, <laughs> right. But, but then um, I was thinking back to when I was younger um, that I would be up in the morning and watching television and it was rural cable in, you know, um, small town, West Virginia. And sometimes like after it would rain, you would get the picture from one station, but you would get the audio from a different one. So I'd be like trying to watch power Rangers in the morning and -hmm. I would be getting the weather as audio. And like for a seven year old or an eight year old that is, that sticks with you like all day and bothers you immensely. And it's like that feeling of when something is just a little wrong or sometimes it's a lot wrong, um, like an itch on the bottom of your foot, but you can't scratch it kind of thing. And just over time, it drives you mad. Um, And it just eats at you and eats at you. And then like your threshold for what you can tolerate in the rest of your life is just gone because this has taken so much from you. Um, And then on the days it's really bad, like it's insufferable. Um, It's just, absolutely um nightmarish to look at your body and feel like that thing does not belong to you um like Mm -hmm. you can see it and it's kind of conventionally fine but it's not yours it's not right somehow and that's the thing is it's just this feeling of like something is wrong here and i can't put my finger on it but something is really wrong and over time you kind of like learn what causes you to feel that way a little bit like maybe it's your clothes or maybe it's um your hair or the way your hair lays or your hairline or the sound of your voice. Um, And you learn to either avoid those things or you do them a lot, hoping that the itch will go away. Right. Um, So that's kind of the way I describe dysphoria is this constant low level suffering that sometimes gets really awful. Fair enough. And now no, it is very helpful. It's very helpful indeed. And when Uh I, you know, I have a, I have a friend of mine, um, and mm-hmm. he's somebody who just kind of has come a long way. I'm just going to put it that way. Um, sure. I mean, to the point of he was a Trump supporter in 2016. Uh, he is no mm-hmm. longer a Trump supporter now. 
Um, I wrote this post about him one time about general. I didn't mention his name. And I was like, all of these friends were just showing their true natures. Mm-hmm. All of his other Trump supporter friends were showing their true nature uh, oh, to him. Gosh. And, and, he, and I was just like, I've made a general post. Like I, I, you know, you would think that, you know, maybe somebody as liberal as myself would have some like uh, shade and, you know, whatever the word is, shade and fraud or whatever, just the, the idea that, you know, get joy. And I'm not, I feel sad for the guy. And of course he private messages mm-hmm. me. He's like, I feel really sad for your friend. And I was like, you're the friend. You're the guy that I'm talking about. Um, but yeah. he, he, but because he was coming from that place, um, he often is just so wrong. I think on, on some issues, uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, being trans and of course, like he has his one trans transgender friend, uh, who, who sure. he brings up is like, <laughs> so that's, and, and that's the, my one friend says this, so therefore it must be true. Um, so yeah. just, you know, you know, one of the things that he said for a while is that you have to be dysphoric, uh, in order to be considered trans. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard that that's not the case. And I mean, what, what's your opinion on that? I do not buy that one bit. I mean, I'm incredibly dysphoric. Um, mm-hmm. It was really taxing on my mental health, um, the amount of dysphoria I had. And I absolutely delight in the fact that I have so many, like, non-binary and binary friends even who have not had that experience. Um, I think people get confused about what motivates people, right? Um, Mm -hmm. There's sort of this idea of, like, I'm a Buddhist, um, and one of the things that we're taught in Buddhism is that you have like three essential reactions to everything. There's neutral, there's negative, and then there's positive. There's like, I'm clinging, um, there's I'm rejecting. And then there's, I just don't care about this. Um, you know, the way, what's an example, like the air, you don't notice the air until it's bad or good. Right. So it's a neutral experience, but those three reactions teach you everything about yourself. They teach you what clothes you like. They teach you, what way you like to wear your hair. They teach you whether you prefer to be called a different name than the name your parents gave you. They teach you um, what flavors you like in food or what textures you like in food or what sexual experiences you enjoy or don't, um, what kind of partners you enjoy, all of that, right? And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people who are trans, they don't have that pain. Um, They don't have a pain with who they are. But when they experience something, that aligns them with another gender. Maybe somebody accidentally uses a different pronoun for them, or maybe they try on some different clothes and they see themselves in a new and more masculine or new and more feminine or um, androgynous light. And then they go, Oh, this is really good. I like this. Every bit is valid as pain. In fact, I think that's amazing. I think that's great for them. Um, that they discovered this thing about themselves in such a positive way. So the idea that people need to be suffering in order to be trans, I don't think that's true. Um, I think a lot of that is a myth because of how painful it is to transition, not physically, Mm -hmm. but because of like, I mean, sometimes physically, but like um, socially, right? I get a lot of abuse as a trans woman, Um, You know, just the other day, I happened to post, like, a funny little joke on my Facebook account. And then, like, the entire day, I was being harassed, right? Right. That's not pleasant. And so a lot of the logic there is, like, why on earth would you put yourself through that if you weren't just absolutely miserable, right? 
And I think for a lot of trans people, that's true. But it doesn't have to be. I mean, for some people, it's like, no, I enjoy this thing about myself so much that I absolutely don't. And like, I don't like that people think transness is suffering because I think transness is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I I liked the joke too. I mean, I saw the joke. I liked it. I, I thought the response <laughs> to it ridiculous. Thank you. Um, and they you know, lot, uh-huh. my my, and then I was like, I have a joke, and I was like, I hope it goes over well because this is not my area for you. Know, it's not my area of expertise mm-hmm. making jokes about a trans issue, but people seem to like it too. So I was like, Yay! I didn't offend anybody. Hooray! <laughs> did yeah, you see mine? <laughs> I did don't you see know mine? It's been a, oh, it was, it's been um, a very busy week. Uh, why did why did the um, why did the trans male go to the psychologist before getting top surgery to get something I, off why? his chest? To get something off his oh, chest. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's good. I like that. So, and then of course somebody <laughs> responds back. Well, I did have to go to a psychologist for a year, um, and before getting the surgery anyway, but I still think he's he still thought it was funny and I was like okay good phew. and I was like I'm very sorry that society doesn't give you I'm sorry that the society doesn't give you body autonomy to, to make those decisions for yourself um, but yeah at least you know at least it's funny at least at least I mean, it, at least it, I mean, that is at least it worked like yeah um, it is like I mean a lot of like the next transitional steps for me are surgical and almost every one of them requires me to have like two different therapists sign off on it Ugh. so <laughs> Yeah, um, there's still a lot of gatekeeping, even in states like Maryland, that are pretty progressive on this issue. Yeah, and that, that's the problem. I mean, I, I was raised in Maryland. I grew up in Maryland. I mean, mm-hmm. Maryland has its weird conservative areas, too. But, uh, sure like, like I, I mean, I was shocked that Louisiana, as conservative as it is, allows someone to get married um, if they were – um, if they go through a transition and, and legally are considered uh, gender different than what they were assigned at birth, I was like, "What? Mm-hmm. That's uh, how, Louisiana did that?" And I, yeah. I was mind blown. My mind was blown. The, uh, <laughs> the states that allow that kind of thing are really um, peculiar. I'm always every year, like just as a political science student, I'm just like every year completely blown away by Kansas. It seems like every year Kansas does something to shock the crap out of me. Like, right. In a good way. Um, just in terms of like what their courts will allow. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned something about you know about you know how it's you know being be- what what about things that are beautiful as being a trans person. So what what do you what do you you know I do want to focus on that that as well. I mean, you made a great point oh, with sure. the whole that the individuals who who are you know realize that they are trans simply because they um, you know they they find joy in in being, you know, you know, maybe dressing different than what they were assigned at birth. Sure. Uh, so what personally do you find or do you feel just in general in your personal life or with other people uh, do you see about being about the beautiful aspects of being a trans person? Oh my gosh, there's so much to love. And I say that, like, I know some people um, really do define their trans experience a lot by suffering. And I hate that for them um, because I think there's so much power and the self-determination of being a trans mm-hmm. person. Like, to wake up one day and say, I am going to be the person that feels right for me, even though literally almost everything in the world is telling me that that's not okay. Um, that's powerful. Like, that's beautiful. Um, 
and to see the change in somebody, to see the change in myself. Like I was um, not a healthy person before I started transitioning, like mentally healthy or physically because I didn't like my body, so I didn't take good care of it. I, um, I wasn't mentally healthy because I was incredibly dysphoric, um, and, you know, that just eats at you. And so I spent a lot of time in, like, a very dark place. And then, like, as I'm transitioning, more and more of me is opening up, and I have these beautiful new relationships with people on a whole new foundation of trust and openness. And, like, I guess the way I would describe that is it's, like, I have access to resources in me that I didn't even know existed. And now I can give those to other people as, like, this kind of, like, gift. Like, oh, I can connect with you in this way. And that's beautiful and amazing but also like um naming yourself which is kind of a big part of the trans experience it's a big choice you get to make about yourself um that's part of the pathway for most people Mm -hmm. even just taking your own name even just saying like i'm going to put this name onto me and i'm going to do that for myself is radical and amazing um and it gives you so much insight into who you are and the way you want people to see you. I just think it's so beautiful all around. And, I mean, that's, that's great to hear because, you know, a lot of the times, you know, a lot of the things, you know, for the, you get negativity in the press, you get, you, you never see mm-hmm. uh, things in the press about how, you know, how, you know, this trans person is living their best life. You know, this, this is, this yeah. is how this transfer is. This is, this is what this trans person is doing and bringing joy to themselves and others, you know, every day. You don't see that. You don't hear that. Um, you know, often, you know, yeah. wartime Folks stuff, you know, people leave, leave. When we're angry or dead. Yeah, pretty much. So. And even then they kind of just kind of sweep it under the rug too, where it's just like, you know, mm-hmm. it's an afterthought, unfortunately too many times. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, other topics to talk about. So w- there's the good things. So what are the, what are the what are the common struggles that that someone who is trans might uh, might have to deal with? Oh, okay. So the I mean these are very different depending on kind of what particular variant of transgender person you are, right? Like I'm a trans woman, and I can speak from that perspective. Um, right. I'm what you might call a binary trans woman, which is to say that like I see myself entirely as a woman. Um, that's not, that's not even a question in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. For a lot of people, they are more fluid, or they are neither a man nor a woman, or they're both in some mixture. Um, there's so many combinations, and they each come with different kind of like textural struggles. Um, in my case, I think a lot of the struggles were about learning. Um, medical struggles, we'll set those aside, right? And and. Um, sure. Yeah, because, like, the medical struggles are are pretty well documented in a lot of cases. But, like, um, you know, I was raised from the ages of zero to, you know, about 30 as a man. Like, that is how the world tried to educate me and to teach me. Um, And so, like, I had to learn to do those steps in order to survive that. So in one year, I have had to put myself through a puberty, a second puberty, um, and learn all of the stuff that most women learn over the course of, you know, an entire lifetime or at least, you know, throughout their teen years. So I'm getting this, like, crash course while I'm super emotional. It's been a really good time. Um, but there's so much stuff inside of that that nobody really knows how to tell you. 
like about your personal safety um, or just like little issues of social etiquette, things you can and can't do. One of my favorite, um, one of my like closest trans masculine friends um, passes perfectly, right, as, as a cisgender man, mm-hmm. but had a bit of a learning curve when it came to bathrooms because <laughs> – he was he was used to being able to go in the bathroom and just like chat with people, um, <laughs> and learned kind of the hard way that you don't do that in in, in right. the restroom. And um, so there's a lot of like that's not typically the bathroom problem you think of when you think of trans people in the bathroom, but really that's one of my like biggest concerns is like oh am I supposed to talk to people? Um, right. But like there are all these weird little etiquette rules that nobody nobody can teach you because they just kind of like learn the steps and they just do them. Um, you know, or, or like, gosh, clothing sizes. I don't even, don't even get me started on like feminine clothing sizes. Cause I literally still haven't figured them out. I just kind of like <laughs> take a guess and go. Um, so like, these are little struggles, right? The big struggles right. are me. The big struggles are things like me not feeling comfortable going to restaurants or a bar for six months because my name on my credit card was wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was no longer passing as a man. And I had had my credit card out me to a bartender who wasn't very kind to me afterwards. Um, Things like that, where it's like you're constantly watching your own back because you need to be checking to make sure that you're passing or that you're safe. Um, Passing is, you know, it is a real benefit, but it is a struggle too. Like it's, it's cumbersome to maintain that. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up because a lot of times I try and avoid the topic of passing simply because of the fact that you don't have to, you, you're validated as a trans person, obviously, um, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of whether or not other people perceive you as passing or not. Um, but but why, yeah. why, why, is, why is the idea of passing important? Yeah, and to me, passing matters very much. Um, I don't, like, I have transgender sisters who are never going to pass. That's just not their body type. They're never going to look like cisgender women. Um, And if I were, you know, a couple inches taller or if my shoulders were a little wider or if my face looked different than it does, I would never pass either. Um, So I recognize that, like, I have this kind of benefit. It's important to me because there really is a textual difference in what happens when people can look at me and they can tell I'm trans. Um, some people get very skittish around me, which I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate when they do that. Like they think I'm like a bomb waiting to go off, right? Like I'm just, they're just waiting to be on the six o'clock news as that person who's a transphobe, right? Cause they said the wrong right. thing to me. And that's not me um, or most trans people. We're just trying to live our lives. So like, I hate getting that reaction from people. I also hate the questions that people give me, um, mm-hmm. you know, have you had the surgery? Um, uh-huh. I also and I also hate the aggression that some people give me. Um, and in some cases, I'm not safe. Um, you know, I just traveled to Morgantown, um, West Virginia, and a lot of my friends were messaging me, like, in the week before, and they were saying, you're going to be in Morgantown. The last time you were there, you were 193 pounds and had a beard. Um, you, have, you can't go places by yourself now. And, like, Things like that are just like why passing matters to me. 
You know, even, even me traveling as a woman is much, 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 much less safe. But if I were to be out as trans, I'm in danger. Like just straight out of the gate. Um, So partially it's a safety thing. Partially it's because I want people to see a woman when they look at me. Um, And I want them to give me that kind of recognition that they give to a woman immediately. Um, I don't mind for people to know that I'm trans. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't bother me. I'm usually pretty quick to out myself actually once I feel comfortable. Um, But I like that first impression to be that I'm a woman because I prefer people to see me as a woman who happens to be a transgender person than to immediately see like, Oh, a trans person who is like playing at or happens to be a woman, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where they kind of have to go through theatrics to give me proper respect. And that's really unfortunate because like I see that happening to so many of my trans sisters. Um, And I really, that's one of the big reasons I want to educate so much is because that's not fair. Um, my not passing sisters should not have to jump through hoops to get basic dignities that I'm afforded just because of my genetics. Right. Blank. So now, now um, one thing that, you know, obviously, you know, there's, you know, being cisgender versus transgender comes, you mm -hmm. know, with, you know, a certain level of privilege and there's privilege, you know, obviously male privilege and, and, and uh, racial privileges and stuff like that. So, sure. um, it, you know, there's the idea of some people have will suggest, um, and I've usually heard this from the TERF folks, and um, sure. some people call them trans-exclusionary radical um, feminists. I tend to use another F word to describe them, but I actually have a tag. Yeah. I actually made a... I actually made a tag group that's, that's like turf are not feminists, but there's another F word that fits. That, that's, an, that's a group that I created. Um, and, nice. and, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you this, I'll give you the link to it after the show. Um, okay. but, but is, do, do trans women have male privilege? I guess you brought that up in our little notes that we were passing it back and forth discussing the show. So it's an interesting mm-hmm. topic. So I wanted to, I wanted to bring it up. It is an interesting topic, and I think um, there are some different schools of thought here, like one of which is that I was never a man, not for a day in my life was I ever that. Like, right. Um, uh, I, I'm very clear about that with people. I played one on TV. Kinda. <laughs> um, you stayed at the but, Holiday uh, Inn last night, or Holiday Inn Express. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my friends said, you know, that it's like LARPing, but just, you know, your entire life. Um, but I, uh, I was never a man and yet I received these benefits that society would give a man. Right. And some of them are just quiet and small things that you really only notice when you don't have them. Um, I think I was really shocked the first time somebody who I'm a programmer and I was talking to a vendor who was younger than me, um, uh, about purchasing some software for the company I work for. And at some point during the conversation, I said something, and he goes, well, look at you. You're using our terms. And I was like, <laughs> well, I should be. I've been doing this since I was 13. But like, right. But he thought he, but he was talking to a woman. Right. Right. Um, up until then, I had never really questioned the fact that people just kind of assumed I knew what I was talking about. Because mm-hmm. um, it had never shown up as visible to me. And, like, I typically took the women in my life very seriously. Um, so I didn't see myself as perpetuating that. So I also didn't really see it. Right. It's one of those things that like 
we talk about, but it's really tough to see it until it disappears. Right. Um, or, um, so like, did I have male privilege? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And the reason I say that is because privilege is not something that I have by virtue of my birth. It's something society gave me by virtue of what I looked like. Right. And right. that sucks. But like I was safer walking down the street a year ago than I am now, much safer. I didn't have to question anybody's motives when they asked me out for a drink a year ago. Like if a year right. ago if somebody asked me to come to their house for a drink, I didn't worry if I was going to get home safely. Now I have to, right? Um, there are so many aspects to my life now that have been touched by the fact that nobody sees me as a man. So did I have male privilege? but I paid an extremely high price for that. I suffered immensely um, in order to quote unquote, get that privilege that I didn't even want in the first place. It was just given to me. Um, right. And I think that's why a lot of people say that it's not really a privilege in that case, but I, I can't ignore that I was logistically better off because I had that. And now I'm kind of like set back in some ways versus where I was. Um, people question me more. People assume I don't know what I'm talking about or double check things or, um, you know, it's weird to see um, customers who have known me for a couple of years, like looking me up and down um, Mm -hmm. while I'm trying to talk business with them, things like that, you know? Um, So do trans women have male privilege once they transition? The answer to that is unequivocally no. Like that goes away. I don't, I don't care if you're passing or not passing. Um, like you will get treated differently based on whether you're passing, but like the privilege goes right out the window as soon as you are visibly trans or visibly not a man in some way. Um, just, it just goes, it just disappears. So I don't buy this idea that trans women have privileges currently. Um, if anything, our former privilege kind of sets us back. Cause it's like I was saying right. earlier, like one of my struggles is I didn't know what I didn't know because I didn't need to know it before. And, you know, now I'm getting this kind of crash course in personal safety and um, navigating relationships and other people as a woman. But yeah. Cause most women learn those things as they're growing up to their teen years, you know, you, you know, as a teen. I mean, I don't know of- a single cisgender woman who hasn't had the experience of like, Oh, a man said something creepy to me when I was 11. Right. You know, um, the first time a man said something creepy to me, I was 31. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a big learning gap there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine it because I haven't lived it. So it, it's just, that's, mm-hmm. I guess that's another thing that that's probably harder for you is that you didn't live that even though internally you, you, you identified as such, you didn't live it and you didn't learn it. So it, it then becomes, like, as you said, a crash mm-hmm. course. So, um, you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm, um, always the topic of sex and sexuality comes up, uh, when, when people are, mm-hmm. are discussing, uh, tra- trans issues. Um, and yeah. one of the, I think one of the most heated topics that I've seen discussed is whether or not somebody has to disclose or not. Now, you know, disclose, if they are mm-hmm. trans and or what parts they may have or may not have. And, um, sure. you know, and, and my, my end of the day thing is that, it, it, you know, if 
I want to, if you want me to touch you somewhere, generally speaking, or if, or if you want to, you, somebody want to touch me somewhere with something, you know, you should always get mm-hmm. my consent before doing so. And I should always get my consent sure. before doing your consent before doing so. Everybody involved in whatever act is taking place should get consent for everything that's going on. So yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, ultimately that's probably where any sort of disclosure would have to take place would be at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, although I have had friends who have even had problems with that issue or that stance, they're, they're just like, Oh, just jump in on the thought. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh-huh. So what, what do you, I mean, what are your feelings on that? I mean, what, I mean, is, is, is that, you know, I mean, it's probably a personal issue. I mean, I guess the other thing I've said is I have a, is. a person, I guess he is, uh, trans masculine, non-binary, um, mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he takes one of the extreme other sides where it's like, he says, if I, do, I feel if I don't disclose, I'm risking my life. So sure. but again, I think, I think it's, I think it's an individual thing that you have to, has to be discussed, but ultimately at the end of the day, I think consent's the most important thing. So Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to start off at the top here and just say, you know, I am polyamorous. I'm also pansexual. Um, mm-hmm. And so that probably influences my view on this a little bit because sure. I genuinely could not care less what parts my partner has as long as I'm interested in them. Um, sure. You know, everything's a pleasant surprise in that case. <laughs> um, but in terms of disclosure, um, I have like, so I'm polyamorous. I'm actually in a very um, committed and loving relationship. I've been in that relationship for over a year, but I'm still on dating apps. Um, Mm -hmm. I played with Facebook's dating app for a little while when they first came out with it, just to like play around and see. Um, I regretted it almost instantly, but I still did it. Um, And what I found is that men were very interested in me, like a lot of them. Um, And, the conversation would be going incredibly well. And at a certain point, it's like, oh, I like this person enough that I could see myself sleeping with them um, mm-hmm. or, or being physically intimate. And it's like, okay. I mean, I, what I didn't want to do was get really emotionally invested or excited about this potential relationship and then have it fall apart at that point. So I usually disclose a little earlier, um, mm-hmm. partially to save my feelings. Right. Um, I don't think it's on a trans person to need to disclose their status. I think it's on a person to disclose what their hard nose are. Okay. Which is a conversation you should be having with any sexual partner anyway, right? Like, what do you like? What do you not like? Um, I, I genuinely think that it would be a better world if I were saying like, okay, I do like these things to happen to me in the bedroom or wherever. Um, I like being touched in these ways. I also prefer this in my partner, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's physical or otherwise. That's just me saying, like, here are the things I enjoy and that I kind of have expectations about. That's on me disclosing, right? Because there's a certain view of, like, if I disclosed in the wrong situation or at the wrong time, somebody might be violent with me. Um, Right. It's less safe for me to disclose that I'm a trans woman than it is for somebody else to disclose that they don't want to sleep with somebody with the parts I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no harm, no foul for them saying that, like, okay, I'm going to take my drink and then, you know, I'll leave. Um, no problem. But, you know, if they 
they don't want to be seen in a situation where it's like, oh, now a, a lot of men are like this, especially. I don't worry about women as much um, mm-hmm. or, or non-binary folk. In general, they tend to be more like, oh, okay, you're trans. Right. <laughs> um, that's usually um, not a problem. Men tend to be very like, oh, they question themselves when they realize that they were attracted to a trans person. And that's unfortunate. Um, I've had to tell a couple of men, like, you didn't give up your straight card on my account, friend. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and they feel deceived, even though they weren't deceived, right? The person is a woman that they're talking to. They just had expectations in their mind that were not accurate. Right. I mean, so, to me, I mean, um, the, the idea mm-hmm. that someone would get angry about the fact that, you know, I look at somebody and be like, that person's attractive. And then that person mm-hmm. happened to have parts that I wasn't expecting. I mean, I still found that person attractive. Yeah. It's not that other person's fault. That, that That's my natural inkling. That's my yeah. feelings. I can't control who I'm attracted to and who I'm not attracted to. So it's not your fault. You know, mm-hmm. it's not anybody's fault. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've... It's I've, just the thing that happens. Right. I mean... And, yeah, so I'm very, like, positive on... I, I think it's on a person to disclose their needs in one not mm-hmm. on a person to disclose their body preemptively. Um, I think that's safer and really just more emotionally healthy for everybody because that should be a conversation you're having anyway. Like, sure, straight up, like, um, you know, in order to have, like, safe, sane, and consensual encounters, everybody should be on the same page about what's acceptable and what's desirable. And if my body is, you know, not desirable to somebody, I would like to know that before I'm with them. You right. Know? Absolutely. So that's my stance on that. But we do have a caller. I, I mean, there was nothing in the in the chat okay. room about what, what, what. So let's go ahead and and hope this is a, a good thing to do because uh, I don't have a screener. So I'm I'm going to just knock okay. on wood and say, okay, let's hope this is going to be a positive experience. And here we go. Uh, caller, uh, okay. what is your name? Where are you calling from? Caller, you there? Hello. Um, I think we hung up. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can oh, hear yeah. you now. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, no, I was, my name is Michael Paul from Minnesota. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are yeah, you today? Are you? So great. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I noticed in some the conversation you guys are having, I was going to talk about a separate thing when it came to transgenderism, but to your point about what you guys are discussing, uh, isn't the real issue, mm-hmm. like, if a transgender person, let's say it's a man who's claiming to be a woman in this case, if you uh, were to can, be can a I just stop? Wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on mute there for a second, and just say if it's a transgender woman because it's not a man who's claiming to be a woman, it's somebody who is a woman who is assigned male at birth. So let me let's go back to you. Let's 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 be correct here. One more chance. Okay. Well, I'm 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 going by strictly biological terms. I mean that's a that's a construct to say, for example, if you believe that a man can become a woman. Okay. We uh-huh. are we are hanging up. <laughs> I'm not dealing oh, with that. And that's disappointing. Um, <laughs> I just, I gosh. just did not, I, I did not feel comfortable dealing with that. So that, that's, that's. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, oh. I probably could have. Yeah. It's okay. It's, I mean, oh, it looks like he's back. It looks like he called back again. Um, I don't know. I'm actually um, willing to have that talk if you want to. Um. Okay. Let's. Yeah, I mean, it's your show, but I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm bringing you back on. 
Um, I Evie has no problem discussing this, um, but I do wish that you would tread a little lighter. But go ahead. Right. No, I don't mean any disrespect to. I believe you her name's Lily, or I didn't, I didn't catch it. Evie. Evie. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. Now, this is not yeah. a matter of, like, being disrespectful. Well, we have to talk about the reality of the matter. So, if, if for example, if you're a sure. proponent of this, if you support transgenderism or if you are transgender, what I find is the reason there's a lot of tension in the country in this issue is because political correctness has said that you can't even talk about it. You have to just accept this idea flat out. You can't have an honest discussion. When in reality, a lot of people in the country – don't believe that a man can become a woman or a woman can become a man. That's just the reality. And so okay. if you're if you if you want to have a, people have to be honest and have a real discussion and not pretend like you can't even talk about it. And that's why this will and if it continues, and in my opinion, with this whole political correct pressure, it'll swing back the other way. And when it swings mm-hmm. back the other way, it'll lead to issues. It'll be a lot worse than what you started with. And it's something that not to get political, mm-hmm. but it's something that the left, for whatever reason, likes to do. It's like using political correctness to silence any opinion that they disagree with. Like how the whole shit sure. basically cut me off and hung up on me because <laughs> I had a disagreement on what he believed. I mean, that's really what he did. He, I, I, he just embodied it. I'm not, I'm not being. I, I will, I will jump in there. Okay, let me, let me, I'm going to put you on mute for a second because I want, to, I want to get to the point and then I'll let Evie make her point. Is that the reason I, I believe that there are a lot more individuals. Uh, who are listening uh, to the show, um, who um, might be a little more sensitive to what was being said or as you were saying it uh, than Evie. Uh, And as such, I was trying to be um, sensitive to to them. Uh, However, Evie Mm -hmm. did say that she was comfortable with me bringing you back on. So uh, to her point, I guess I want to let her make her point uh, to that as well. And we do have two other calls before we have to end the show. Uh, So let's do that real quick. (laughs) Okay, I want to do this really quickly with you, okay? And I'm, I'm sorry if it's going to seem like I'm steamrolling you. I didn't realize other people were on the phone. Um, uh, they they all just hopped you. on at the second. So it's, it, it's just like, woo, oh, okay. lots of them. Okay. Um, I hear you about having that discussion. And the group I'm a part of on Facebook, there are 25,000 people in there. Actually, it's like 26,000 and some change now um, that we help have those discussions, right? The only thing we ask, and I'm happy to have that discussion with you, right? I just said I was. The only thing I ask is that you be as open-minded to, quote-unquote, reality as you're asking me to be. Because I can really come to you and say, gender is not what you think it is. I can provide evidence for that. Um, I can say biology is not what you believe it is. And I can provide evidence for that. I can say that the interaction between these two things is definitely not what you believe it is right and then I can provide evidence for that what I found so often in this conversation kind of happens is that people who claim that they're speaking for reality often um, have a comfort with reality but their version of it and that until they're just as willing to let that go um in a soft way, like, I don't want to take that from you. Like, I could just as easily not talk to you. I want to talk to you. I want you to see that I'm not a man playing at a woman. I want you to see that I'm not a threat to you or trying to silence you. But also, it's not a conversation if you're just telling me over and over and over that I'm not seeing reality. That's shutting me down just as much as you think I'm shutting you up. 
So I, I would actually really love it if you would come to our group and have these conversations with us, because I think you would find that your beliefs about the conversation aren't true. And so, that's a great answer. I, I will, I will edit the, the show thread, like a show page uh, when we're done and I will include a link uh, to the Facebook page for anybody who does feel that they want to be educated mm-hmm. more uh, on transgender individuals and who mm-hmm. are willing to be patient and learn and listen. So we had about four yeah. minutes left. Let's, let's call okay, her real quick. I'm bringing on another caller. Um, so area code seven, seven, three. Uh, you have a quick question or comment? Yes. Uh, how you, how you guys doing? And, and Eddie's doing, Hey, I, I, uh, I was one that was posted in the, uh, in the chat room. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't usually get in. I don't usually get in on these kind of conversations because I know how people are um, and how sure. people take uh, positions based on belief and things like that. Um, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I, I look at a lot of different things. I look at a lot of stuff that uh, my perspective, I watch what the government does. I watch what they've been doing. I, I watch how they, they attack different things genetically. I, I, I look at how they attack the foods and everything as such. Now, sure. by saying that, that was just my pers- coming from a vantage point that I typically come from because I don't like any belief system. Um, I know that sure. I know that we live in a diversified universe. Before we even start talking about mm-hmm. the earth, we start talking about a diversified universe. And if we start talking yeah. about diversified creations on earth, we got so many things here we have never seen in many fat forms and fashion, especially when they start talking about going to the bottom of the ocean, right? So, uh-huh. so we know that uh, we're not all going to uh, agree or believe the same way or even think that certain things aren't a certain way. We don't. People should understand that. Uh, uh, we can possibly be born uh, in a body that has, has has male parts. We can also be born in a body that has both parts, male and female. There's just so yeah. many different things to be born in. Um, mm-hmm. So I will I will support I will support the uh, the truth. I'm not saying someone's opinion perspective. I will support the truth yeah. of what's already natural law. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what it is. But we just so happen to live in a society that uh, is controlled through religious uh, perspective and also controlled through political perspective. The political sure. counter, political counter, uh, like it's the arm for the religious. So, you know, I go mm-hmm. whatever religious order that's in charge at the time, that's where the political force is going to come because that's the benefit, privilege, and purpose. So, um, yeah. you know, more power to you guys. And I just put that little, I put my little thing in there because as an independent private association, we tip, typically go after organizations, even people who are in political positions or government positions that feel that they can rewrite the law through using the courts or through using positions like that. And that's why I do that in the chat. But normally I don't even okay. get into these conversations, but <laughs> I heard a guy right. come in. Yeah. He came in hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much for listening to the show and for giving your two cents. I did. I think I may have actually manually increased the length of the show uh, by a half an hour. Oh, uh, not that we're going to stay the whole half an hour, but I think, uh, if for some reason we happen to get cut off in the next uh, three minutes, I'll just do a, 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 a little end of the show. But do you have, um, like, um, basically what Edward, right, Edward, the Edward, who was the last caller who was saying in the chat, was that uh, these uh-huh. are, you know, issues that are individual whites, and it, sh- and it should be uh, um, that we should find a remedy in equity, I guess is what he was saying, and that there are, there are I guess, statutory or mm-hmm. um, protections that can be made in, in the courts, which I think that's what he was trying to say. So um, That was what is, I got, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is fine. You know, I, I would wish we wouldn't have to rely on the courts so much uh, to defend uh, individual rights. Um, 
I'm concerned uh, to bring a little bit back into politics with this is one of my biggest concerns from four years ago and from this year is just the Supreme Court. And if you get too Mm -hmm. many conservatives on that court, what gets overturned? Obergefell v. Hodges, Roe v. Wade, Lawrence v. Texas. How far does it go? So, I mean, in reality, we should we should be able to um, people should have the right to exist without having to worry that somebody dying on the court is going to cause them to have an extremely much more difficult life. I agree entirely with so, that. Yeah. So um, we're going to, we're going to see for the, all right. So we've got about maybe in a minute and a half, maybe more uh, seeing if I was able to <laughs> edit it or not. It. Yes. So um I guess what is the best, I guess, to, end this, to sort of go towards the end of the show, what is the best thing, you know, other than, you know, maybe introducing themselves using their own pronouns to make pronoun usage a more commonplace? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other things that a, a cisgender individual can do to make the world better uh, for transgender individuals? Oh, gosh. Um, so lightning round, just little quick actions that people can take. Um, no matter what workplace you're at, go to your workplace and ask them if they have policies on transgender individuals. Um, just go, just ask, just say, Hey, if someone transitions, what's that process looks like for them? A lot of um, companies and organizations don't have documented processes for this. And simply asking that question uh, to the right people can kind of expose that there's a problem. And there are organizations that will help write those policies in a way that can help transgender employees. Um, You know, I said this in the Gardening for Allies article, but asking questions is incredibly powerful because they demand answers. So this isn't a thing you would do to trans people or at trans people, but go to your bar and just say, hey, is this a safe place for me to bring my trans friend? And if so, Mm -hmm. how can you, the bar, tell my trans friend that it's safe? Like, how can you signal that? Um, I think by making more safe places and by just asking questions of other cisgender people, you can make an enormous difference that really pays dividends. So that would be my big, big piece of advice in terms of how to reference people. I mean, I don't like having people ask my pronouns. I like having people introduce theirs and then I will give mine. Um, But I would say, make a great effort to kind of like understand and remember a person's name um, and to Mm -hmm. use that with their pronouns. So like if I'm introducing my trans friend to somebody, Oh, this is my, you know, friend Zoe, she's really great or something like that, you know, get sneak the pronouns in there. So people kind of have clues about what to use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I've made it a, uh, a thing where I will, um, I will go ahead and I will on all of my social media and other mm-hmm. apps, I guess that I use, I, I, I just go ahead and try and somewhere put he, him, you know, in, in the description, yeah. um, you know, just, just, just doing that. I mean, uh, you know, if, if you go to some place that has, you know, like that little name tag, hi, my name is so-and-so and just yeah. in the corner, you can just pronouns write on name what you know, mm-hmm. pronouns, your name tag, you know, anything there's, there's, I think some people sell even pins or buttons that you can use. Just just I ways that nice, very cool. Um, and I do think, um, and we, we're still going. It's past the ninety minute mark, so it worked. I was able to adjust the time of the show. 
Thank Wonderful. God something good happened on, on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, holy crap. Um, very happy about Is that. Is there still another um, person on the phone? Um, so there's another person on the phone, and, but they haven't, they haven't lifted their uh, from area code 914. So if you're, an, if you're the area code 914 caller and you want to ask a question or make a comment, I think if you hit one, that'll let me know that you want to hit the question or comment. Sometimes people just call in to listen. Um, and oh, I've, I've uh, had that happen as well. Uh, there you go. 914 okay. has raised their hand. So let's go okay. ahead and get your uh, question or comment uh, for Evie or about the subject at hand. Hi, uh, my name is Takira and I'm a trans woman. And um, I, oh, well. I, have, I have two comments now after that last discussion. Um, <laughs> okay. One of the things that I have experienced in, in going into, like, stepping more into community as a trans woman mm-hmm. is that I find it really uncomfortable as someone who has always struggled to remember names. Like, the hardest thing about it for me is that I feel like I now have to remember pronouns also, and so it's this added level of uh, social anxiety about, like... I'm so glad you said that. So, somebody told me <laughs> once, like, there's nothing worse than being a trans person who misgenders another trans person um, okay. Yes. I'm <laughs> so, so excited right now. Um, yeah, that's, that's an experience I've been having. Um, mm-hmm. but the thing, um, I was listening to your discussion about your, your gardening for allies article, mm-hmm. um, which I really loved reading and, oh, thank you. um, my experience so far transitioning, um, has been nothing but supportive, which is really great, mm-hmm. but like, as, as someone who is new to transitioning, I know that there are some pretty unpleasant experiences that are like lurking out there in the world. And um, I was curious as someone who um, is more experienced with this, if you have any advice to younger trans folks about um, how to prepare for um, those instances. <laughs> okay. Um First of all, oh, oh gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so glad you called. Um, like, oh, this is wonderful. Um, can you tell me your name one more time? Uh, my name's Takira. T, like T-A-K-I-R-A? Yes. Okay, wonderful. I was just making sure I heard that right. First of all, lovely name. I love that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so introductions are one of my least favorite things about meeting people because I really love meeting people. But like, um, I do not possess the political superhuman skill to remember a person's name, um, let alone a lot of them. And, like, I don't expect that out of other people. So I actually literally printed um, – they're not business cards because they're, they're not really useful in that way, but, like, cards with my name on them and some, like, sentences about me um, that use that reference me in the third person so my pronouns are there. Um, and just quick little, like, links to access my website and some things like that. Um, and I love that. And I really would love for people to start doing that because I would love to have something that's like a little memento of me meeting somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. they're cheap. You get to design them yourself. Like mine have, um, probably not a shocker. Um, they have a bit of a winter theme Mm -hmm. and I, I just love Mm -hmm. them. And I, I hope that like calling cards or name cards or whatever you want to call them, um, become a thing because I think it's delightful. So that aside, put that, put that one off to the side. Um, tips for as things start to get rough when you're transitioning. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, it's funny, like the things that always hit you the hardest hit you on your high days. And there's like, on, not on like high days, like, you know, puff, puff, pass, but like high days, like you're doing really well. <laughs> and then like, that's when you're most vulnerable to a sucker punch. Um, Cause when you're feeling low about yourself, you're not really particularly caring if somebody thinks you don't look great or um, misgenders you or, or whatever you're kind of already in that place. Um, it's being knocked off of that, off of that high spot that hurts the most. Um, and that will happen to you as you're transitioning and it won't always be malicious and it won't always be on purpose. Um, and I think this is where, my advice to younger, quote unquote, younger trans people or newer trans people, let's say that newly out trans people mm-hmm. um, is to try really hard to have a sense of compassion and empathy for other people who are making mistakes around you because they are going to, and you kind of need to develop a good sense for whether or not that person meant it maliciously. Um, like I was, um, I had somebody in my life when I first started coming out who made my transition very much about them. And so like my good days would be punctuated with this person having like just total breakdowns about the fact that I was transitioning and and just making it into a big Mm -hmm. episode or consistently dead naming me. Like I would be at a party, everybody would be using my name, but this person who was like very close to me. Um, And that stuff hits harder. It just does. So, that person had not malintent, but they just like were not in control of themselves about it. Right. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. people just say things and they don't mean to like, they don't mean to reference you by your old name or they don't mean to use the wrong pronoun for you. It's a slip. Let them apologize, give them space and give yourself space. Like if you're not okay after that happens, that's okay. Um, you are going to need a profound sense of compassion and empathy with yourself because like you're going to take bruises and lumps as part of your transitional process. I don't know of any way to avoid that. And so learning how to care for yourself when you're in a darker place is really important. Um, I'm really, really, really fortunate that I have a very loving partner um, and just such a strong social support network of people who are there for me when things go wrong. Um, The other day I was in a really good mood and I was kind of like feeling myself. And then I went into a bar and like the people behind me in the bar were openly speculating about my sex um, loudly enough that I could hear them. Um, And they were like Mm. literally taking bets on, on my assigned sex. So that wasn't great. And that brought me very low. And I was very glad to have the friends that I have in that case. So, Think about your relationships and think about how you need to care for yourself because you're going to need those skills as you're transitioning. Um, And just learn when you need to take time and maybe be alone for a while or just have a hot bath (laughs) or um, when you need to take time and push back because sometimes you will need to push back on people who are wronging you. And learning when and where to do that is a skill. So... I, I think that kind of answers your question. Do you feel like that answered your question? I do. Yeah. Thank you so much um, for taking okay. the time to respond to that. And um, it's nice to of hear course. a voice that I can put to all of your writings now. 
And um, well, I appreciate you being a fabulous human. So. Thank you so much. And uh, no, as, as somebody who is, you know, cisgender and who with, with trans friends, friends who are, um, you know, you know, who, mm-hmm. who are, you know, follow, you know, gender, gender binary, you know, like yourself or some of, some of them are non-binary. Um, and I have mm-hmm. one friend who I've, I've known them for, you know, a, you know, a very long time, probably one of the longest lengths of time knowing, even though there was a long break there. Um, and mm-hmm. back, you know, and, and they didn't originally use the they, them pronouns. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I find just as, as just to recommend to all of my fellow cis folks and people who are not used to that, you know, I mean, unless you're, unless you're, unless you play Pokemon, there's no excuse because if you can call your, you know, your, you know, your, I guess you could use Eevee, for example, use your Eevee of Vaporeon yeah. that evolves, you know, you shouldn't have a problem. You know, mm-hmm. referring to somebody by somebody by the new name either, um, excluding mm-hmm. the Pokemon players. Um, the uh, you know, it, it's it, there, there should be a, at least try. You know, show that you're making an effort because I mm-hmm. there's a friend of ours who constantly misgenders them, and mm-hmm. it, it's obvious that they're not trying. That this person is not yeah. trying to respect uh, the my friend's wishes and. So in the one time, I mean, because my friend who is non-binary understands the fact that she's, uh, spec- <clears throat> I get, they present um, <laughs> they, okay, as, as very feminine. They're very fe- they have very feminine features. Um, uh-huh. And they understand that, that sometimes mistakes will happen in that case um, sure. because, because people who don't know will default to uh, what they see. Um, but yeah. they know that and if that's a lot of training. Yeah, they they know that that if you know somebody like myself, who is trying and who who is always upset at himself for doing it wrong, um, mm-hmm. uh, they know the difference between that and somebody who is not making a single effort. Um, and while yeah. I would absolutely understand if they would be mad at me on a mistake because it might hurt them. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, you know, I, I think they, they appreciate the difference as well. And I think as long as mm-hmm. you're trying it, it, the harm, I think may very well be less, although the harm still might be real. And you have to be understanding as a cisgender individual that when you do it, it can cause harm and it's on you to mm-hmm. be better. And it's always, it's always on me to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to have, shows like this why i want to you know be part of the group that i link to on 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 the group uh, on on the show thread the explanation of the Mm -hmm. the description of the show the episode today um because i want other people to also learn how to be better um learn how to how to do the right things and 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 there are there are little things that you can do that will make things a lot better um Mm -hmm. I mean, I think to kind of piggyback on what you said there, like my advice there to cisgender people is try and try quietly. And what I mean by Mm -hmm. that is like sometimes people will misgender me and all of a sudden it becomes this massive theatrical event um, where they feel the need to like punish themselves in a very public performance kind of way. (laughs) Um, And then it becomes more about, I almost feel like I have to soothe this person who has, 
who has done this thing. And it's like, you have managed to make this about you. Um, right. And it's really not. Don't, don't do that. There's no need. There's like no reason to go to that place. Just quietly correct yourself. If I don't know any trans person who's like, yes, please make a giant show in public about me. <laughs> Um, right, I mean, because I, think... I, I can imagine. I, can, I I don't have this lived experience, but I can imagine that you know, <laughs> if that happens not to if if when that happens to you, and, and if it affects you in in a, in a poor way, which I'm sure it does, now you have to have the emotional energy to deal with the fact that somebody misgendered you, and then help your friend who's being making it about them. So it just doubles the not, yeah. energy that you have and to expend dealing with the issue that you just... shouldn't have to deal with. Yeah, it's not just about them either. Like, um, I mean, I'm just going to give you a quick example from when I was first transitioning. My partner and I um, went clothes shopping, and I, I, I picked out a dress, and I was very excited to try this dress on. Um, actually, I think I had a couple of dresses. Um, and I, I won't say where the place was because, like, I don't want anybody giving them any phone calls or anything. Um, but we went to go to the changing rooms. Now, earlier that day, I had been appropriately gendered, so I was feeling kind of high, right? I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go. I'm going to be in the right changing room. It's going to be an amazing time. Um, and the person at this establishment did not gender me correctly. The person misgendered me um, and was, like, refusing me access to the changing room. And my partner, bless her very much, um, was, like, ready to have a go of it right there, was, like, ready to make a scene about this. <laughs> Um, but I did not have the energy for that to stand there and and be a part of that. And so I was just kind of like, let's not, um, that's one of those like know yourself moments, um, where I just, I was done. Like it brought me down so hard. Um, Oh wait, hold on. I think I muted the wrong person. <laughs> you did uh, mute. Sorry. I was I, like, "What is this I, saying to me?" <laughs> I was, I was, I, I realized I left the other caller on because I heard the little little giggle and it was cute, but you know, it was, I was like, "Oh wait, I, I didn't, I, I didn't remute that person." Oh so, no, they were, oh they were still on the line. Oh god, they're, they're still there. So yeah, and 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 she's still there. So it's it's fine. But <laughs> I was okay. just like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, wrong phone number. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah. So like, that's one of those moments where it's like, you have to know yourself, but also like, I, um, you know, I'm a very, it's very, really weird. I'm in a weird position. Cause like, I'm a very public person about being trans, um, and wanting to advocate for my trans siblings. Um, but I actually don't really, um, revel in getting that kind of attention. Right. Um, I don't enjoy getting a lot of attention directed at me, especially not in a way I'm not in control of. Um, and that, unfortunately, is something that cisgender people often do to us under the guise of trying to be helpful. Right. Um, and in some cases, they genuinely believe they're being helpful. Um, I had one friend who thought outing me was helpful um, mm. to, like, go to people and be like, oh, yeah, she's trans. And it's like, wow, they didn't need to know that. But thank you. They are looking at me weird now. Great. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I guess my, my whole point there is just like to help, but to help with a sense of compassion and, and preferably somewhat quietly. Cause I don't know any trans person who really wants a ton of attention on the fact that they're trans. Right. Yeah. Now other attention might be good. Like, you know, if I, you know, give you attention on the fact that you have a great blog or, you know, um, uh, yeah, I love my blog. 
yeah. Um, uh, but you know, before we before we end up with with the resources that people might go to, we also we we also have something else mm-hmm. in common. We both are lovers of hot sauce. Okay. So I can talk the, about this forever. <laughs> so what what is what is? You know, I, I think I told you that my favorite hot sauce was scorned woman. Um, scorned woman hot mm-hmm. sauce because it was both has a both good good amount of heat and it's flavorful. Um, but sure. I'm always willing to try uh, a new hot sauce, a new hot sauce, regardless of how spicy okay. it is, even if it's just a little taste. So what, what would you, you know, maybe your top, do you have a one or a top three or whatever that you would say that, that you, um, or is this like Sophie's okay. choice? <laughs> I mean, I have literally like, as I'm talking to you, I have, this is so stereotypically me. I have a shelf covered with beanie babies and then there's another shelf on top of that shelf. Um, and that shelf is just riddled with hot sauce. Um, but up there, one of my favorite hot sauces right now is Truff, T-U-R-F-F. Um, yes, I've seen the ads for spicy. that. It's not very spicy, but it is hands down one of the most delicious sauces I have ever put on anything. So I tolerate the fact that it's weak sauce because it's very flavorful. Um, is it very truffly? My, like, oh, yeah. I know it's made with oh, truffles. So really, okay. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, I have tried all of the different versions they have. They have a habanero one, which is, like, tolerably hot. It's fine. Um, (laughs) And then the other ones are spiced with jalapeno. My favorite, like, spicy, spicy um, hot sauce is um, right now the one I'm kind of like, I've got two bottles of it, and I'm kind of working my way through it, is called Pineapple. And it is spiced with Carolina Reapers. Um, So it's pretty up there on the heat scale, it's one of the few hot sauces that really like makes me stop and take stock of my life decisions um, <laughs> when I put it on things. It's so good though. Uh, it's like, it's got this very sweet, like acidic flavor. Um, like it really does um, kind of resonate with like the whole aura of a pineapple. Um, but what if that pineapple was just ridiculously spicy? So mm-hmm. I love that sauce. Um, I like that in soups a lot, especially like Asian food. Um, and then those are my two big ones. My kind of like a daily carry just to give things some flavor is um, sriracha. I actually carry that in my purse. Um, okay. And uh, it just doesn't need to be refrigerated. It's the only hot sauce I have um, that is in that, like, that I don't need to refrigerate. And then I have another bottle here that I'm going to talk about, um, <laughs> but uh, can't get it. It is um, – small batch. It was actually made by a, um, a friend of mine. It was made by her partner. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just called like K-Dub. And it is, um, it is like I have one bottle of it. And I'm very, very, very conservative about when and where I will use it because like I don't, I don't think there will be more. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I love it very much, but it's like the, the golden treasure in my collection. If I were a dragon, I would hoard hot sauce. Nice. So, um, and this would be well, like the crown jewel of my collection. It's by far, um, gosh, it's just so tasty. So, well, those, I mean, past that, I mean, I'm looking at my shelf here. I've got like nuclear meltdown, Reaper Unleashed. Um, there's one called Hot Winter Hot Sauce, um, which I'm can't imagine like why you would like to want to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saving that for a day when I need some self-esteem. Um, right. I have Dave's Insanity Sauce, um, which Ooh. is really, really, really good. Um, I, 
you know, I'm like, people are always like, it's going to like knock your socks off, but also like, I've had the hottest sauce you can buy in most establishments. I've signed more waivers than I can think about. It's right. fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've had this yeah. insanity before, all, several different varieties of it. They, they have one down here called the mm-hmm. hottest fucking sauce. And so it's, I you know, it's, it. And so, no, if, if you ever come down to New Orleans and we're going to go to a hot sauce booth and we're going to, we're going to have some tastings. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like if I'm not sweating and crying, it's not hot enough. Right. So yeah, absolutely. I will gladly do that. <laughs> cool. And then at this, the last thing I do want to talk about is, um, and we didn't really list any in our little cheat sheet notes or whatever, but is there any, any resources that you would recommend uh, people go to beyond, you know, the Facebook page, beyond your page, um, which both are linked sure. to from the show, show the episode uh-huh. thread or the episode page, um, anywhere else that people would, people who would go, who either if they're uh, individuals who are trans and want more information, um, you uh-huh. know, helping themselves, or if they're cisgender folks uh, who want to just learn more and, and learn how to be better gardeners. Um, I do want to plug um not a specific resource, but I do want to plug kind of an underappreciated resource because cisgender folk um, or people who want to be allies to LGBTQ people um, have a nasty tendency to think big. And Mm -hmm. I'm not criticizing them for that, but they tend to think about big national organizations like the human rights organizations. Um, I would actually say that you are far better off to look local and to spend your time and energy and money with local organizations that are making an impact where you're at, because chances are, if this is a thing that you, a cisgender or heterosexual person are thinking about, you are in an area that needs work. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So odds are, if that's a thing that's a concern of yours, it's because you can see it. And if you can see it in the area you're at, it's probably bad. So start where you are. Um, you know, that's part of the gardening, right? It's like you work with the ground you're given. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of resources, please just look around you. There are like here in, in my city, there's an organization called Hagerstown hopes. Um, and they're phenomenal. And I work with them. I actually sit on the leadership board of the trans committee. Um, just a, a phenomenal organization. They host pride every year and I love the work they do. Um, and, and what we get to do, um, that so like there are organizations like that all over the United States. You probably have one near you. Go find it. That's mm-hmm. my first bit of advice. Um, I don't know if we've plugged it yet, but I do want to plug the trans education group in some kind of form where people can actually get to it. Um, it's just such a good group, and the people there are so amazing. And every single day, um, they just they make my days beautiful. I love them so much, and I hope that other people will come and visit and give them the same love that I do and see what's beautiful about the trans experience. So that's another thing that I would plug. And then I'm going to plug a project I'm working on. Okay. Um, I'm actually working on a transitional guideline document for trans women. Um, I'm just referring to it as the trans woman guidebook for now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm expecting to have it be available like at my website and on some other um, websites that I'm kind of working with in the next three to four weeks. So I'm really hoping that that's going to make a difference for some people. And I hope that people will watch for that. 
Very cool, and I will, you know, if you say, you know, I will, I will share that link far and wide, as, as at least as far as my mm-hmm. my my current reach goes. Hopefully, you know, we get the show sure. grows, grows and grows, and 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 reach grows more. And um, you are Everything welcome. Helps. Yeah, you are welcome to come onto the show anytime to discuss trans Thank issues, you. to discuss politics. You know, um, hell, you know, I might yeah. even call on you to sub in for me one day if I need to, because I mean, you're you're a natural at this. It's it's. You're, oh, you're, I think so. I think you, I think you would do really well with the podcast. So you've you joined the Liberal Dan Network. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, I've always wanted to be but, a part of the network. Lot of, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you're called my 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 channel on Blog Talk Radio Network or not. But whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you're more than welcome to to come on and and share your thoughts and everything. Everybody is, but I, I enjoyed having you yeah. on. I think it was a very good learning experience. I, I learned something and I considered something that I'd never thought of before in this show. And, you know, I've been trying That's to wonderful. learn how to learn how to be better. So every day you can learn something new is a good thing. So again, I do want to thank, thank you again you so uh, for coming on to the show. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a good rest of your night. I did keep you on for an hour, for an hour longer than I was anticipating. So um, I loved it though. Thank you so much. That, you're very welcome. And again, uh, I have a link to the Facebook page. This uh, sounds like you need to be uh, educated on transgender individuals uh, link on this, this this Facebook page right now. I might change the text to that as well. Um, And again, if you want to find out more information on Evie Winters, uh, you can go to eviewinters.com and that is also linked to on the uh, show thread on blog talk radio. Um, And you can, and you can support uh, again, your local, uh, trans groups uh how, start locally that that's the uh, advice that she gives uh, you can also support her as well there's uh you could buy her a cup of coffee if you want if you appreciated her on the show so let's go ahead and, and end uh this week's episode of liberal dan radio um next week we're actually going to have a presidential candidate on the show believe it or not um you might not know the person but hey you know, maybe you will a little bit afterwards, and we'll we'll be actually having a debate about the topics because it's actually somebody running for the libertarian office, so that should be interesting uh, because he believes that taxation is theft, and I do not. So we will be going into that and much more next week. Um, but again, and discussing all the other topics as well. Uh, again, the website is liberaldan.com, facebook.com, facebook.com/slash/liberaldan or at liberaldan radio on Twitter. So next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio, talk from the left. That's right.